Whether it's for work or play, we rely on home internet so much these days. Being connected and staying connected has never been more important. So if you want reliable internet bought you at speed, switch to Aussie Broadband. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Find out more at aussiebroadband.com.au. T's and C's apply. Yes, welcome back to Zealand Friends. My friends, this week on the show, Took Miller. Absolutely have really just been wanting to get Took on the show for a long time, to be honest. We have never met before this. It was our first time catching up and, um, yeah, just love the way he goes about it. I think I've been watching his career um, with really – I just remember him getting drafted and going, I reckon this guy's going to be a really good player, um, knowing that he had some real leadership uh, qualities from – all of his junior years um, in under 12, 15, 16, 17, 18s, and now to be the captain of the Gold Coast Suns at such a young age and a young club doing awesome things. So I've admired him for a long time, admired his work rate and the way he goes about it on the field and wanted to get him and pick his brain on his chat. But, yeah, we touched on it all. Um, you know, his inspiration, um, his incredible mum that's ran over 20-plus marathons, um, how he became the Gold Coast captain, his work rate on field, um, his leadership qualities and, and how he thinks he's a leader and how he thinks he's grown as a leader over his, his short time being captain and, and what he still thinks and he needs to get better at. Um, also spoke a lot about mindset as we always do and, and why he thinks that, you know, he's able to perform at that rate and the triggers that he has on field and especially all the people that he works with that are incredible at the Gold Coast Suns. Um, also spoke about the training he does in the off season with the life-saving unit in Gold Coast, which has been really cool to hear about. I love hearing about how players are doing different styles of, of fitness and how they get themselves out of their comfort zone each year, um, which was really cool. Couldn't go an episode without talking about golf. Um, he started at 27, got his ways down to seven, so picking his brain on that. Also really into his cooking, his sourdough, um, which is crazy, and also got a smoker, which is great. But, yeah, all in all, love this guy. love what he's doing. Um, recently as well, been, been named the coach at, Coaches Association, sorry, um, Player of the Year, and, and who knows, I reckon he can even take home the Brownlow this year. So hope you enjoy the chat. Let's go. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. He's like, you can embarrass yourself. And I was like, bro, do you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant. Didn't know all yeah. seven. <laughs> so I've been in a bad team for 10 years, and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect, a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes. I'm like, Dan, stop doing that. Just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog. It's easy. They had no other way to get out of the cave, and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Took, <laughs> how you going, man? Yeah, going well, mate. Very well. So first off the cab rank, I um, come in and I've already fucked up. Firstly, I've called you Took. Now let's get this for one, straight first for all, everyone now listening to Camilla. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's like it's like Luke, but it's too. I'm not gonna lie, I let it go for eight years. Commentators call me Took, and like <laughs> I just got too deep into it, and then now I'm just you know paying the price for it. So yeah. people on the street and stuff will yell out Took, and I'm like, ah, that's not it. <laughs> that's right. Mm, that's right. Fuck my bad, man. That we said that's that. It's good. No, I did it on purpose to like you know bring it up yep, early, yep. so it's good. <laughs> um, how are you, bro? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well at the back end of the season now. So um, we wish we were going for another three or four more weeks, but, yep. you know, it is what it is. The boys uh, finished off the year pretty well, though, man. Like, I don't say this lightly, but it is a very exciting time, it feels like, to be a Gold Coast player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think anyone that's followed us closely for the year understands that we've probably our best year we've had to date. And it might not be um, wins and losses until we find out what the result is tomorrow, but I know that... For us as a club, like inside the four walls, we're, we're very happy with the progress we've made this mm. year. And um, we've had a lot of boys that have taken the next step in their career. So it's fantastic. Yeah, it feels like as well, and, and we're talking off here about this season, my words, not yours. But it feels like as well, We look, I look a little bit at footy now from external point of view. And footy's so reactive. Like you can see people getting sacked and in and out. And people just want to make changes. Like, you know, Clarko's gone north. All these things are like moving, which have to be done. But I think one thing that needs to be commended that I don't think has happened of late is like how good Gold Coast have been and probably because they don't get a lot of scrutiny on them because it's a club like not in yeah, Victoria yeah, yeah. but I feel like they've just stuck fat this year and they haven't like even with Dewey like I'm you know I'm sure he's an incredible coach and I know he is because the boys look like they love him and you're playing well and everything but I think the easy decision would have been to 
move on and do things where they're like sticking fat and going, nah, fuck it. This is working for us. Let's keep going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think anyone who's probably been in a successful, successful club knows that stability is vital and that's what we've got. We've got stability. We've got Stewie's one of the core blokes with that in terms yeah. of him signing on and being there. And then we've obviously had a lot of players that have signed on and staying at the club. So I think that, that ability to be a stable club and it's not only just the coaching staff and the players, but we've got a lot of people that have been in the industry and been at the club for quite some time now. And I think when you do change people like the coach, that means that comes with other people that change um, mm-hmm. within the high performance and stuff and can really unsettle the team. So yeah, I mean, we're very fortunate position that um, we have the whole back end of the whole entire club and the community, which is fantastic. Yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. Now, mate, today's not about Gold Coast, it's about you. Um, I'm super really have been wanting to get you in for a long time. I like to play my cards close i don't like to ask things straight away sort of followed you i'm sort of like was infiltrating your life trying to like slowly get in there um and when i saw that you had been announced as an ambassador attack your feelings um i'm obviously an ambassador attack your feelings as well i didn't know if you knew that but i was like fuck this i gotta use this yeah, as an yeah. opportunity to, to get you in the studio first are you enjoying that yeah absolutely um i've only had a taste test of this year um yeah. but for the um the sessions that i have been in the work i have done so far i absolutely love it i love the concept of it mm. i love what it's about um i think it's very very common and very like um the moment in terms of like where everyone is in in their life and yeah i don't know i just i just feel like you can relate to it as well there's like you know i come from a junior club like you would yourself um and you have those same dealings with coaches and stuff and you can see how the effect can come about so yeah yeah well obviously talking your feelings and mental health uh initiative uh by zurich insurance that, that helps um yeah local community clubs have a better understanding of mental health and especially coaches they're rolling it out to players i was actually in my hometown of ballarat last week went up to oh, yeah. back home lived, yeah, yeah. well i say hometown i lived there till i was two years old but still <laughs> like, you, you know i'm a ballarat boy <laughs> to yeah, ballarat yeah. boy to life yeah, till i yeah. die um no choice but like i absolutely love it i still feel like to this day i've just got that country blood in me um <laughs> but people would people would beg to differ yeah, yeah. but um now nah, doing incredible things mate so that's that's fantastic but secondly Above that and on par with that, sorry, is I've just been so interested in yourself. Like, again, we don't get to hear probably a lot from you because you're in the Gold Coast, but you're a Melbourne boy. You've been the captain of like nearly every club you've ever played in. You're playing incredible football. Um, Obviously, there's been some awesome battles with yourself and Dane Zorko on the field. But just playing awesome footy, great leadership and surfing, cooking, golf, uh, everything that you do. I like, and I'm like, I'm like I, I really like this guy. Sounds I like really want to sit down and have yeah, a yeah. chat with him. So firstly, yeah. it'd be remiss of me not to ask you, how's your golf game going firstly? Ah, uh, geez, depends what day you ask him. <laughs> what, are you, what are you playing off? I'm playing off uh, seven at the Ooh. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've whittled my way down, but some days it's like, I feel like I play off bloody 25 and other days I feel like I play off one. But yeah. at the moment I, I put the clubs away for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Which is hard because I play every week, man. Like I play sometimes twice a week, go to the range. Like I'm a full nuff. Like yeah. I absolutely love it, bro. Like it's just something that four or five years ago I got hooked and like. What did you just, start at? What was your first handicap? Uh, 27, I reckon, when I first Wow, so you've come down to the seven. Yeah, yeah. That gives me so much What are you playing? I'm off 22 at the moment. That's not too bad. Oh, so mate. you're a burglar. You'd be a burglar. I am sometimes, yeah, but still yeah. can shoot like a 13.8 <laughs> if I want. Like I, I played um a stroke play on the weekend. Yeah. So I, I've just joined a club in Melbourne and every weekend I play on Sundays. But on this week I played Saturday morning and it's stroke. Yeah. And it. I fucking hate stroke play. For those who don't know, instead of stable food, you're like, yeah. you're literally counting all your shots. So I was like going well, then had like a 15 on the hole and normally you just pick it up and it was just, that hurts. it breaks your heart. It man. does. It yeah, does. Yeah, it yeah. really does break your heart. But we'll have to um, go over have a hit. Are you a member? In, uh, yeah, up at, up at um, Burley Golf Course. I live like a hundred meters from there. So I, it's that easy. I drive past it every morning. So it just mm. sucks me in every time I go. I played up at um, Cool and Gatter. Oh, I was yeah, up there the last. Course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tweed cool. Cool Very good. Is, um, we had the Mick Charity Golf Day there, I don't know, about two months ago. And that, mate, it was unbelievable. What happened so with that, fun. man? Because we are um, here at, uh, we've, I don't know if you've seen, but we're starting something really cool here. It's called More Greens Golf. So yeah, we're yeah. in the works at the moment, creating this golf club. And in October, if yeah. you're around in Melbourne, we've got a golf day getting planned. So I've heard that Mick Fanning's had like one of the best of all time and we're going to try and rival. <laughs> Mate, I'll tell you what, I'd love, I would love if you could, to yeah. be fair. It was like, I think it probably a lot to do with Mick Fanning being the guy who he is mm. and all the connections he has, but it was just, a, mate, the golf day itself was just epic. Every hole was pumping. Um, I mean, there was just like something to win or something to give back on for every hole and they raised over like, Oh, maybe 500,000, not that day, but over the course for the, um, wow. for the Give It Charity, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Okay. 
It's gonna be hard. To yeah, talk. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to start somewhere, but you it was it was cool. Yeah, yeah, you it do. was very good. It was very good. Yeah, fucking hell. And you're cooking. What are you cooking at the moment? You're into your sourdough uh, bread. Yeah, yeah, man. That, but everyone, I think everyone in the um, COVID world got into bread at yeah. some point. Like that was just something that bread everyone did. did. I was like, so I ended up doing that, um, and then I kind of started to nail it a bit and. You know, got my tail up and started to show off a bit. So and you then, have like a cook, like an actual bread maker, or uh, nah, sourdoughs like kind of all by hand, bro, and feel like it's. I know it sounds a bit corny, it but like it's just, <laughs> it actually, I'm not gonna lie, man. It kind of is like it's one of those things, like when you you got to like it's like a live culture that you start with and that you have to build up, and technically it's alive, like so. And then that's like your yeast, and then like sourdough is only you know flour and water so and salt mixed together so it's not much but you just have to how you combine it how you bring it together and then you get this epic finished product and it's the most satisfying thing i reckon like hot bread or hot sourdough over the oven it, oh, um, with a bit of a lure the small things yeah yeah the oh, small things you. i um when we were away went down to uh down the coast and over the break and they had a pizza oven. Yeah, yeah. And I was like cooking my own pizza dough like at the place. And it actually is the most satisfying thing it is in the a, world. Like yeah. putting it down, letting it sit, letting it rise, coming back, rolling it out. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can get to like the end stage and completely fuck it. Yeah. It's like golf. Yeah. It's like, it literally is. Like It's, <laughs> it's like so that. True, it's bro. like those little yeah, yeah, things, yeah. man, like you can get so addicted to and you can nearly never nail them. Yeah. We can, but you can, yeah. Oh, mate, I've had some sourdoughs, bro. I'll be honest. Like it's a two-day <laughs> protest, and I've got to, I've got to the last step, bro. And it, like, it when you put it, it's supposed to like spring in the oven and like rise. Yeah. And it doesn't rise, and you pull it out, and it's just like flat piece of like shit, bro. It sucks. <laughs> it's so deflating, bro. It's so deflating. It's like stroke play, bro. You hit one in the bunker. Oh, I know that. And then you take five out of the bunker. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Turn I know. into a fifteen. Oh god, I know too well. Hey, mate, talk us back to your early days. As I said, you've been um, Ascot Vale boy, called yep. Cannon's boy, Marby boy, um, drafted to the Suns. Yep. What was it like moving up there straight away? It was actually it was actually really good for myself. So I, I don't have any brothers or sisters and I grew up majority with mum. So I was pretty independent to start with. Um, and I think the move just kind of helped with that. Like once I moved up, we went into a host family within the first couple of weeks. Um, and I think we were there, myself, Peter Wright and uh, Jared Garlett for about six months. And mm-hmm. then moved out of there and we were in our first house. Pete, myself and um, Lachlan Ritchie was one of my best mates from down here had moved up and yeah we were living the life we were like 19 had a pad on like the canal we had like a pool we'd have the speaker we had the table tennis table in the middle of the living room we'd like wax when we were cooking like it was just like i mean at that age you kind of like man this is pretty cool like pretty epic you're playing footy obviously as well as your lifestyle so um yeah i mean for me the move was pretty fortunate i really like relished in it and i loved it i loved mm. the independence of it um and I just found that, yeah, like I just had an opportunity to kind of learn on the fly and, um, yeah, I, I loved every bit of it. Now you said, I, I remember when you actually got picked up for some reason. I don't know what it was. I think I saw like maybe an interview that you did or something and you, you said that. And for me at that age, like being a young bloke or even, you know, young guys and girls now in that position, it's very daunting to be like going into state. No one wants to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you always had that sort of that independency sort of like that, that desire yeah. to do it? Oh, like, I mean like... Was there ever times where you were like, fuck, like I miss home? Or? Yeah, a little bit. But then in saying that, I feel everyone's a little bit different. Some people are like have really big families, super connected with yeah. certain people in their family and they feel that they need to be back home, which I mean, I can completely understand. But uh, I think for someone in my like scenario, I also was a big believer of wherever I got drafted was going to be where I wanted to stay. Like I was really big on that. Mm-hmm. And um, whoever was going to give me the opportunity, I was going to give them as much of myself as I could. So when Gold Coast took me, like, I mean, I was thrilled. I was still to get drafted, to be honest. And I think sometimes it, um, you know, nowadays, like some draftees can be a bit picky and choosy as to, as to where they go. But, um, and I can understand that to a degree, but sometimes you've got to be probably a bit more grateful as to, as to where you are and try to make it work for yourself. And that's what I did. And I kind of, I loved it. I just made Gold Coast home and that's what it is now for me. Mm. Not to, to beat around the bush now, there has been like, so many players leave over the last few years. Yeah, yeah, there has been. Yep. How's that? How does that not sit with you? But like, how do you? How does it feel? Because um, like, I suppose it is. It is hard. And I, to put it even in my perspective now, I was really lucky in the way that I'd lived in Melbourne, experienced it, and then got to move interstate yeah. and just absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah. Where I think that's the biggest blessing because a lot of guys that like play interstate always want to come home but don't end up enjoying it as much as when they're playing interstate. It's just something. Oh, there is. There's something about it. I mean. 
I think the people that did leave the club originally, um, we wouldn't get to the point we are now if some people hadn't left the club. Mm. Um, so I feel like we actually got a lot of lessons that we got to learn from that. Um, I know it sounds a bit cliche, but it really was like, I think for every person that left the club, you started to go, All right, well, what can we do better next time to keep it more? Sometimes some of the people that did leave the club were probably for the better in terms of where we're heading in that, in that direction. So um, yeah, I think for us, um, we've learned a lot from the people that have left, but then I also think about now, we've now retained like probably three quarters of our list. Yeah. And for everyone in Melbourne and other footy states that kept going, oh, you know, when are they going to leave? When are they poaching them? That never happens because we were able to build a culture with boys that were there over, you know, a stretch of time with Stewie. And um, yeah, we've got boys that now want to be there, which is fantastic. I think it's, it's funny as well. When you have like a club like Gold Coast and Giants, um, people always go, look at these guys leaving. But when you have that many high-end talent picks and you have so many guys coming to the club, all these picks, you actually can't keep them all. <laughs> and they always say that like the ones that stay are the ones that, they wanted to keep yeah. so like you, you, at the end of the day it is a business you're going to have to move on and get through for these guys so it actually is it, it is sort of part of the process i completely believe that it's funny i i hear that all the time like people go oh like why did so-and-so leave or you know how come um uh, whoever it could be like Rankin or it could be you know kingy at the time and I, I think when you look at the bigger picture like you said gws exactly the same boat you've got like I know 15 top 10 draft picks at some point one your salary cap's never going to hold out and mm. two like you just can't retain that many good players because they can't all play at the same time so someone needs opportunity elsewhere and that happens it just hopefully you keep the ones that you want which is the main thing mm. what's the what's it like at the gold coast give us a look into the the culture there because it looks from as we said earlier like very exciting young place to be yeah it is um and i think that's just come with all the energy that um the young boys who have come in the club um have done like i feel like we got really, really fortunate with some of our draft picks. So blokes like Nori Anderson, Matt yeah. Rao, um, Jack Lacoche has been king. I know they're big names, but they're actually really good people. And I think what people probably don't get to see being the fact that we're in the Gold Coast is these blokes actually love driving the club. So yes, we've got some senior players like myself and Jared Witts and Dave Swallow and, and blokes that have been there a while. And, um, you know, we help kind of guide them and give direction. But I think for us, inside the four walls, the blokes that are really carrying the club in our core group are those boys I talk about. And I think as long as we keep them together um, and there's probably another like five or six I could really list off that would be mm. um, part of that crew. Um, they kind of what making Gold Coast tick and they play well, we normally go well. So um, I think if we can make them as best at AFL football as we can, we're, we're going to be pretty successful. It's exciting, bro. It's a really exciting time. Let's talk about you, the evolution of, of Took. Be honest with this question. Do you, do you think you'd be where you are now at the start of your career? Uh, no. As good as you no, are, like playing no. what you're doing? No, no. I'm, I actually, um, I remember three years ago, we did, a, you might have done it before, where you do like an affirmation about, you know, you, you pretty much write exactly what, what you want to be or the type of player you want to be and you kind of write down the overs. So like I was writing down like, you know, I want to be an All-Australian midfielder, but I'm, I'll be honest, three, four years ago, I'm like, that's not going to happen. Like, it's just, it, it didn't seem like a reality. And I think because of that, you know, the club wasn't going very well. There's probably other factors that threw that in, but I was like, yeah, that was just not really reality. Like, I so was you, you shoot, you're shooting like, down goals at like, at, at the time, unattainable to you, you think. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. And I, it probably what else sounds was on the list. Uh, well, obviously like team wise, I really wanted to play finals and then obviously playing like not just one premiership, but I want to play in multiple. I would love to be a part of a dynasty. Um, and the other thing is that the club has an opportunity to be the first in everything. So we have a chance to be like the first club to play finals, the first group to play in a granny. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's just this opportunity for the Gold Coast where you don't get anywhere else. Um, so yeah, for, I mean, for me, like that main one, which was the being an all Australian midfielder was definitely unattainable back then. And then, um, I had a lot of things, um, that kind of ticked me over as I started to get a bit older and grow as a footballer that pushed me in that direction to start believing that. Mm, what was that? So I spent a bit of time with the psych. I don't know. Everyone talks about the mental side of the game. Um, it's, it's funny, like, isn't it? It starts, it's, it's actually, I hope people with this, it doesn't start to lose weight yeah. of like people yeah, yeah. talking about how much they put into their game, but it, it must've done something obviously. It, do, it does. Yeah, I mean, does. I, I feel like... Like physically, you've been you've been in the game before. Like physically, you can only get to a point where you are as fit as you can get. You can always make minor tweaks, but your body gets to a stage where I think that um, that's what you're operating with. And especially when you're at your you're at your prime, like between that this age that I'm probably at now. Mm. 
So where do you find your gains? And I think for me, I thought my gains are going to be mentally in between the years. And I think probably about two years ago, I started to, I had a conversation with our psych. Um, and Who's that? Uh, Tristan Collar. And we sat down for, oh, I don't know, just, this was like just two games into the season. It was really rare. And it's like, I just opened a can of worms and pretty much laid out to him exactly the type of player I wanted to be and how I wanted to be perceived, how I wanted to play my footy and what I thought I was capable of. And I don't normally do, I'm a little bit more reserved. So I didn't want to put that on someone, but I did because I was just like, it just happened. And then he wrote it down all on the whiteboard, um, kind of condensed it all and put it into like, you know, five or six little um, sentences. And what it pretty much spat out to me was that I was more than capable to be able to perform as an A-grade midfielder and that um, I put in enough work to be able to warrant being that type of person. And that was probably kind of the guts of it. And then I literally left that room going, all right, we'll, we'll give it a run. And I had a game against Sydney last year, probably the best game I'd ever had in my head. And I kind of felt like I broke out from there. And yeah, it was kind of been a really cool experience ever since. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Man. yeah. It, I, I love the concept of, and, and to be honest, I didn't get to experience that in, in sport, but I've experienced it, I think to an extent now in life, but that, that nearly that process of you have to believe it before you achieve it. Yeah. And it's like, you have to nearly like think what you can do and then you actually just go to it. Like it's so fucking weird. It's almost a fact like you, you think it, you, you just put the message out and then your, your actions just start taking you there. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, to be fair, there's also a lot of the other, other factors that come with that. It's not just that one thing. Like we as a team actually perform better. And I think when your team performs better, you have an ability to be able to um, have better opportunities for yourself. And the players that I was playing with mm. were a lot more, you know, we were a lot more connected. Um, and I feel like I fed off that a lot. So that, that really did help. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just like one thing that really stood out to me is just like that self-belief and it's, just, it's massive. And I've got um, our high performance coach, Alex Rigby, is really big on that mental side of the game and he's really pushed um, that side of it. And we've now got Noam Baldwin in at the club um, uh, who's a, a breath and, and a mental coach and he's been huge in terms of getting blokes to um, actually get on board that because it's not a space where you're 18, 19, I'm going – I nearly really work on my like my mental game because <laughs> you don't know what it is. So um, yeah, it's it's been really really positive. Who are some of the biggest impacts in that? You said Alex Rigby and and yeah. Nam as well. I've heard of him before, and then we had Matt Rail on, you know, a year ago, and he was saying how how good Alex has been for him. Yep. Can you talk to like even and me and and general public? Like you got a psych, you got a head of high performance, and you got a breathwork coach. Like. <laughs> It seems to, to everyone, you go, fuck me, like how many people are you actually working through? But like, what are the roles of those sort of like three people in, in your life anyway? Yeah, definitely. So obviously with, with Nam, he's a really good performance mental coach. So I find that what he really specializes in is how you get into maximizing yourself when you're training and when you're playing. And he's really good at like grasping ideas and getting you to like tweak them as you go, as the season goes on. You don't go, all right, this is what we're doing at the start of the season. And then we tweak it at the end. It's like every game you're kind of reporting back. What mm. can I do differently? Um, you know, how can I, he's got a, like for an example, like I felt really bad in the warm up, and I'll start in the game poorly. So he's really big on beat the struggle in the warm up, which means, you know, when you go and you do a run yes. first, like minute and a half, you feel absolute shit ass. But then like after three, four minutes, you start to feel a bit good, get your groove, you start to find your wind. Like he's really big on doing that in your warm up. So then by the time you hit the field, you're ready to go. Um, so it's like things like that. He, he's really, really good with um, Tristan, um, our psych, really, really holistic, really big about not just your on-field stuff, but how do you... General um, wellness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your identity. We, we started to build on, um, just recently, we started to build my, what's my identity as a person. And that's yeah. like really holistic. And he's really good at, because um, he's not, he didn't grow up in football. He's from England. So he's like... He doesn't live and breathe AFL. So it kind of gives you a bit of a different aspect um, when he's talking to you and what he can grasp, which is really good. Um, and then, yeah, Riggers, like, mate, he's like the GOAT. Um, I, I just I haven't been to another club, so I, I'm only speaking from the people that I've dealt with. But, mate, for someone who doesn't like being in the limelight and what he's capable of in terms of being a high-performance manager, he just gets it, like – he understands that boys will be boys and like you have to have work-life balance. Like it's so important. Like he's really big. If you want to work hard, you can have your beers afterwards and that's okay. Um, and he's really big on like, 
He's got, got some screws loose for sure, man. He's put, uh, he does, bro. I'm not joking. Like, he's put us through some pre-seasons that are just like off the Richter, like just crazy. So when we brought, when we brought him in, like he was like, we're getting fit. And it was just like, drop the footies and fucking, mate. Just, we're just running or running, physical? Man. Like, yeah, what's like the, running, what sort of like, challenges are we talking Like, we're talking, here? like, he did this session, bro. Like, it was just like, <laughs> I remember we had, so we trained on the back oval and we'd, we'd always have to bring our keys. And so we did like a f- normal footy session. Then we started doing these like 1K efforts. And then he's like, all right, grab your keys. So we cool. we would run like 10 12k already and because the goldie summers are like they're Hot. pumping bro they're yeah. just like humid <laughs> in your face so stupid <laughs> grab your keys jump in the car we go around the corner to this like 120 meter like slight incline hill and so we're doing sprints up this hill for like man i don't even know how long it was ridiculous like and the coaches when you go to the top of the hill the coaches would be there on the side on the way back and they'd be bumping you and tackling oh you and like trying to get you to the deck and then we'd go and then we'd wrestle and then you know, it's like when you wrestle and then you try to run, it's that much harder. Get back up the hill. Then we finish that. And then we end up going and doing this like, it was like three minutes. I'll be honest, I was almost blacking out. So I think it was like three minutes, then like two minutes as far as you can go. One minute. Because he's really big on there's no finish line. So you just got to be prepared for anything and at any time. So, you know, he's the type of guy that at times we'd finish a session you know, you hang the boots up. You're like, oh, I'm done. And then it's like, oh, boys, out. we're back out there and get back into it. Oh but he, he's a really critical part to the culture we're trying to build. Like, because we weren't there. We weren't fit enough. We didn't know how to be at AFL intensity as a club. And he's now brought us to a level of fitness that is capable of being competitive um, and, and being at AFL standard. So, yeah, I mean, you gotta you got to love it. But I'll tell you what, mate. The boys that were there, that hurt. It was it was a grind, but imagine. it was worth it. Yeah. Oh mate, I um look, I'll I'll be honest. There was times like that early in my career when I was like a young eighteen year old kid and and just had no idea like how to work hard. <laughs> and we had we had a guy, David Butterfin, who's still a friend to this day. Yeah. And I actually went on a, a camp with him recently, a resilience camp. And um, yeah, he works in like the corporate sector now. So I still like he still taught these lessons to me like to be uncomfortable. You know, get uncomfortable, being uncomfortable. You got to continue to do things that scare you, but to show how important these people are, not just in footy, but in life. Like the lesson he taught me and I learned this very early was he was very similar. So like you'd never know when you're finishing and it was almost like he'd trick you into think you're finishing and then you, you're not done and it's yeah. all these things. So I remember once we're doing these runs and I was like coming last and then the next one he goes, like the next person who wins this is, is finished for the session. <laughs> oh, no, no, he's just going. Oh, no. So I've gone like, all right, fuck it, here we go. This is my chance to see it out. And just sprinted, like, just sprinted, like, the last oh, one. Yeah, won yeah. it. Yeah. Won it by, like, 50 metres. <laughs> like the, you know, if you're going to win it, at least win it by, yeah, like, yeah. one metre, you know, like, so it's not as obvious. Yeah. And he's like... How the fuck did you have the energy to do that? <laughs> like you were just coming last there and now you've sprinted the last one. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, I basically had to just stay there and come back in and had to do like double what everyone else had to do for yeah. doing that one thing. <laughs> but it was the biggest lesson to me, just like one, leave nothing in the tank. And two, if you're going to cheat, don't cheat. So obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. We've had boys do exactly oh, that. Same thing, man. Like, the old last rep hero. And then you Last been, rep hero, man. I reckon grinded. Ed Kerno called me like a Superman for like the next like four years. Like, <laughs> it was so, so embarrassing. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So um, don't do that. Any young players listening, just make sure you, yeah. Just Always a, or do it on the second last one. The Don't second, go balls yeah, out on not, the last. Not like, on the last one. If you're doing one. it, do it on the second last. Not on the last one. And just grind for the Fuck last me. one. Um, who's who would you say in in your life or in your life and in footy has had a big impact on you? Because I feel like you're from talking today. I think it's very aware. You're a sponge. You love learning from people. You love bettering yourself and becoming a better human. Who would you think you can look at now and go, "Fuck, I've learned a lot from them in footy. Learned a lot from them in life. It might be the same person." Yeah, I mean, I I can't go past my mum. Like, my mum plays a massive part in mm. myself growing up, the type of person I am, um, my mindset towards people, football, the way of life. Um, she's just really big, really big in terms of instilling me with certain values that I feel like help me both on and off the field. Um, she's also someone that's, like, really, really determined herself. Like, she's mm. someone that has her own personal goals and – um, achievements that she's been grinding and getting and chipping away at, um, which I feel like for me gives a, a really good sense of fulfillment that, um, you know, she's has an ability to do that. Um, and then also, you know, look over me as well while she's doing it. So 
Yeah, I think for me, my mum plays a massive part in in terms of the type of person that I am. And we're it's funny, like it was mother-son relationship growing up. And now it's, I think we're just best mates. And yeah. it's really easy for us to, you know, mum will come up on the weekend and we'll just be kicking in a cafe for like, you know, a few hours, like just talking, chewing the fat about anything. Could be sport, could be politics, even though I have no idea what that's like, what that is or like how, how to talk about that. But we'll just find common ground all the time and... Um, we can, yeah, we, we really just get on very, very well. Um, so she's probably had the most and the biggest impact mm. for me, um, both on and off the field. Um, and I think over the time I've just had little bits and pieces, like you said, I think being a bit of a sponge, I think it was, was really what's helped me in my career. Cause I feel like when you start to turn your nose at people or sometimes you forget where you come from. So you start to burn people when you want to go back and reach mm. out, um, that opportunity is not there. So I feel like there's as I've kind of been in footy a while, every time I've crossed someone's path, I, I try to make a conscious effort to give them my time of day and um, try to stretch them as much as possible or, you know, at least have a small chat. And I, I think that people like Dean Solomon, Matty Lappin, like Matty Lappin, when I first got to the footy club, personal development, sorry, not personal, um, was the development coach. And like, mate, he spent like hours with me on the rebound net after, after weights, after training, making sure they're just ingrained habits into me to become an elite footballer and like have elite standards and blokes like that. I, I never forget because I don't think I'd be the player I was if I didn't have him at the time, at the time. Um, Dean Solomon was really similar. Um, and then probably most recently, like I spent a lot of time with Ali Day, who's um, in the, uh, the Ironman, the Nutrient Ironman. Um, and mate, he's an exceptional athlete, like mm. just one of a kind, like, mate, he's just, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. He kind of just on another level in terms of his fitness and the type of guy he was. And, um, so I've learned a lot from him in terms of mental side. I actually went and trained with him stupidly enough, mate. Like in the preseason, the off season, bro. Like I actually really love doing, you know, when blokes go off and they do kind of random stuff and, um, just like, you kind of just be amongst other elite athletes. And so anyway, I reached, I reached out to him and we got in touch and I went in, started training with the surface paradise um surf, surf club really? mate, <laughs> mate it was an experience bro like, i went to my first session at tully creek in the flat normally they go out in the waves and they do like three laps swim um board like a paddle board and then the ski so i didn't do the ski and i did one and a, i did three and a half laps of everything or like i did a two two swims and one board and they finished like I'm talking, they lapped me four or five times. It was, I was so bad. Like, and then we went out in the ocean and did the same thing. Um, and they just, yeah, they're just exceptional athletes. I, I truly believe, but it was a really cool experience. Cause I was just way out of my depth, out of my comfort zone, but you kind of just got to absorb it and like, you know, learn from them. They give you tips and mm. how they handle themselves. And, um, so yeah, that's been, that's been a massive one. And then, uh, I've, I've had reached out to Travis Boke a few times and, um, bounce off him with some, yeah. with some things as well. Um, he's been really, really helpful, um, from a leadership point of view and also like, um, playing. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, I kind of just bounce everyone. off any, yeah. everyone, like everyone's got a story. Everyone's got something to help you with for sure. Mark no, couldn't agree more. Thousands of Aussies trust Aussie broadband to keep them connected to the world, even when they're on the go. Because as well as reliable home internet, Aussie broadband also offers flexible mobile plans with super generous data allowances and no locking contracts. Their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help you make the switch. It only takes a few minutes. Aussie broadband, the actual Aussie way. Search Aussie broadband mobile to find out more. T's and C's apply. The, the the one part that um really loved then I don't, I don't know if this was a part of anything in there but you talked about like going to people and like learning lessons from burning people and you always want to give time and I was thinking when you said it I was like have you ever burned someone or have you reacted in a way that hasn't done it because I'm thinking now and like things come to me as a young bloke I always think fuck I could have handled that so much better back in the day yeah I I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head but yeah. I'm sure I have I'll yeah. be honest I, I'm really sure I have but I think as I've matured more as a footballer and like a person, you start to be more aware of yeah, if you have burnt someone. But like when mm-hmm. I'm, when you're 18, 19, like you wouldn't have a clue, man. You could burn people and just, you're just so oblivious because you're, you're playing footy, life's really good. Things are just like yeah. all Chrissy. So you just, you probably lose that like sensitive factor. You don't have a lot of empathy and sympathy for what's around you. And no. I think that that can happen, but I know I can see that because boys do that when they come to the club now. And I'm like, you know, Shit, that does happen, and it's that's all about just it's really just growing up, isn't it? It like, is like it's just, part of it. Yeah, I think it's all part of it. I look back now and just really cringe at some shit I did. <laughs> I, I just because I've I've 
now that you get older and you setting things up and you're trying to do things and you realize like time and all this stuff it, look i'm probably asking a question here that's so relevant to me right now yeah, and yeah. like trying to get an answer from you but yeah. it's just like i've worked out like you just have to appreciate people's time and those people that give you time you know like al day and travis boke and yeah. for me now like i'm trying to get better in certain places and reach out to people to always want to make sure that when I do that, I'm prepared and I'm ready and respectful. And yeah. it's like, you're not taking other people's time for granted. I think that's, I think that's the most important thing is that taking people's time for granted. Mm. Like, I don't, you know, it might be one conversation that you have with someone and you might not talk to them for another 10, 15 years, but that's okay. It's not that you're burning them, but I think the fact that you gave them the mm. time of day and you respected what they had to say both ways. Um, and to be honest with you, there's also time, some people that you deal with that you just, you know, you think of dickheads and you yeah. don't like them. So, <laughs> so you true. just push on. Like it's just, they're, just they're not for you. Yeah, yeah. You just push on, but that's okay. But I think that's the, yeah, I'm really big on like, if you do pass people, you got to be respectful of their time, whether they're, you know, someone that you, I don't really um, look up to and idolize, or it's just someone like the butcher mm. hits you up across the counter and wants to talk footy, even though you've had a shit day. Like you just, you got to put the time in, I think. And you, one part you, you sort of didn't breeze over with your mum, but I think, one of the coolest things ever is is like guys loving their mums because I've got the best mum in the world. I know yeah, you yeah. think you do, but like, I think relatively, <laughs> like, well, yeah, I, yeah. like I think it's just like the best thing. Yeah. Um, having a good relationship with your mum, like to this day, I can't even talk about my mum without you know just just everything she's done for me is incredible. Yeah. Your mum's also won twenty marathons plus. Yeah, yeah, she ran. Yeah, ran. I think she's run twenty marathons today now. Yeah, and um, is that what you were alluding to with personal goals? Like, is that like yeah, her, just yeah, yeah. how driven she, she is? Um, so she's done, yeah, she ran 20 marathons. She's um, she's run 10 Melbourne ones, which made her a Spartan for the Melbourne marathons, which is really, really cool. Um, I saw the Spartans yeah. running around there last, when I we, we did the marathon um, last year in the Spartans with the it's 10 years. It's pretty sick, man. It's like, unbelievable. It's pretty cool feat. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty sick. And then, um, yeah, and then mum pushed on and started doing Ironman. So she, wow. so triathlon, sorry. So she did, she's done three half Ironmans now, so... Um, did her most recent one in Geelong in February, which is a surprise. I went down and um, surprised her and got to watch her and help her. And that was, it was so sick. It was such a cool event. Um, she did fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, she's not all just athletes. So she went, um, got a master's for marketing. She's got a degree in psych. Like she just like, I don't know, she's just someone who's just an overachiever and just keeps pushing on with goals. And um, yeah, I find it very inspiring to to be a part of it, yeah. It's hard not to be inspired when you, you got people like that around. Yeah, you. yeah. It's very cool. Very humbling. Yeah. So cool. Your leadership style, man, this is something that I'm really interested in. As I alluded to earlier, almost being in leadership positions in nearly every club that you play with. I don't want to say, is it natural, but is it something that came natural to you and you've just developed it along the way? Or do you just find that you love being in those sort of positions? Um, Probably a bit of both, man, to be honest with you. Like I do love being in that position, but I also have naturally developed it over time. So I think from a young age, I was under 12's Vic captain. Mm. Um, and then from then on, I literally like, yeah, I was really, really fortunate. I got to be vice captain of the 15s, Vic team, and then a captain 16s and 18s um, and also at Colder Cannon. So I think for me, that leadership role, I felt really comfortable in and I actually really highly valued. I just feel like when you're a leader, um, you don't have to be the captain, but when you're a leader, you are someone that holds a lot of responsibility and weight of the people that are around you. So, um, yeah, I've just, I found that having that responsibility keeps you accountable. And mm. I think anyone who's in a leadership role would understand that if you don't have people that follow you, you can't really be a leader. So what you're either doing on or off field, you need to have people around you that are willing to, you know, follow what you do, um, get behind you and, yeah, I just I've just found it's forever ending like sorry, forever not ending in terms of what I'm trying to learn as a leader. Mm. Um yeah, I, I even now like first year as captain, like I think at the very, very beginning, um I thought I was ready maybe like two, three years ago. And I definitely was not, mate. Like I just I was way off the mark. Like we when we lost our captains, I was like, Yep, this would be my time. Um like I'm ready to go. And then I got given the vice captaincy and I'll be honest, like I was a little bit off it because I was like, I thought I was ready to go. Mm. And, um, Dave and Witsy took over and, um, yeah, I'm so thankful they did because I learned so much from them. Like in the years that they captained together, like in terms of the maturity they showed and their ability to handle certain scenarios. Like I just, I was amazed. And I think I matured myself a lot more, um, and found 
now that I can handle that um, that role better. So yeah, it's been a whirlwind this first year as as captain. I'll be honest; like there is just always something going on, um, mm-hmm. and every week there's there's something happening, whether it's a teammate or staff member. Um, but I love it. I, I really relish in that opportunity. I think to be in a position where you can captain an AFL football club is a childhood dream of mine and mm-hmm. something that, yeah, I, I think this just played a big role in my life. I love it, man. I love your honesty too, because so many people aren't, um, honest when it comes to leadership. They go, Oh no, nah, you know, I'll let someone else do it. But like to say, I wanted that role. I didn't get it, but I still got it now. I wasn't ready at the time. I think that's it speaks volume. It, that's why you're the captain because you do say those things. It's yeah. I, I really, really appreciate it. I love that you said it, and there's no reason. That's the reason you are the captain today. Talk us through though those those lessons that you learned because I think that as we said before around leadership, is you learn so much about yourself. Like you have to be dropping your ego, but you have to have an ego. You have to have be mates with people, but then you have to be you know, be respected over being liked. You have to balance relationships on and off the field. Like how hard is, has that been or how enjoying is, uh, how much have you enjoyed doing that sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, you're completely right. I think the hardest thing I find is, um, getting the balance between yourself and like having your backyard clean Yeah. and then trying to help others on top of that. So I think what I've learned as a leader the most is you have to have your own backyard clean. Like you need to be able to play really good football. Like, pretty much any leadership person that's coming to our club or that I've had dealings with, I've always talked about, um, you need to be able to perform first and then you can lead off the back of that. So if you're able to handle that, then the other other leadership stuff comes a lot smoother. So I think for me, what I then found after that, when you try to get your performance under control is that not everyone's the same. So like how it would probably lead yourself versus how it would lead a 19 year old is going to be completely different and how you give them feedback, um, you know, how you look after them. And like some people are really sensitive. Some people aren't. Some people love criti- critical feedback. Some people don't. Um, and then I think the other factor is when you're interstate that there is that sense of you need to create more of a family environment for other people to want to be there. Um, I don't think it's as easy as not that I've been in a Melbourne club, but I can imagine that people can kind of go off to their families and, go to their mates that they've grown up with for years 100%. Like, versus yeah we're, we're, we're just on that just to further yeah, your yeah. point is like when i was in melbourne i don't think i would ever really ha- i'd hang out with probably three guys yeah. at the club outside of the club and then the rest would just be schoolmates family versus when you live in the state and you play footy in the state you that's who you hang out with that's yeah all it's literally all you yeah. it's all you got really and like and don't be wrong like sometimes it's not for everyone and sometimes people do you know slide on the radar and you miss them and and that, that is unfortunate. It does happen. But for the majority, you really try to keep the group together. And that's what it's all about. It's how can you bring this collective of probably like 90% of blokes that are interstate to all then play for, you know, the one brand of football and the one team and, mm. and feel comfortable with that. So, um, yeah, I, I've definitely, some of the lessons I've learned over the time has definitely been a lot around how do you handle um, blokes that come from interstate um, and the different personalities. And I, I've just found that like, the one now is the it's the young ones that I I just sound so weird because I'm not really that old. I'm only 26. I, but I, start, <laughs> I literally like sometimes I'm talking to some young boys going like shit, man. I'm actually older. Like yeah. I'm not on that level <laughs> at all, man. Like it's just not me. And like you know, you'd be talking about like how they they would they would have like you know had some beers on the weekend after they got a corky and like you're sitting there going, yeah, shit, obviously don't have beers. Like how hard is that? But when you're 18, 19 and the boys flick your text and it's like, you know, we're going out and like, you know, you're probably chasing a bird or something like that. Like it's just like with that young, it's hard to like, you can't process that. But I know back then that you would have been doing the same thing. Mm. So yeah, I think sometimes it's about getting on their level, trying to understand them, um, how you can best, you know, get them to perform on the weekend. Um, that's, uh, that's probably another thing is actually the, getting blokes to perform everyone ticks differently um like how i'd probably get with talk to witchy to get him to his really fiery character like yeah. he's got white line fever it's so funny bro like he just he just got to prod him a few times and he like screws up his face and starts making weird noises but you know you, get, you know you get him on you know you've got him going but versus like i don't know someone like Lockie weller like he's just someone who really rides confidence and 
you know, if you can really pump him and, and, and get behind him and um, you're probably going to maximize his potential. Mm. So um, yeah, everyone's a little different, um, but yeah, I'm sure there's many other lessons that I'm probably going to learn over time as well. Well, I think we've come so far, not even as footy, but just in life in that way, like that one size fits all just doesn't fit. Yeah. It doesn't fit at all. Like so many people just can just take things so differently. You just got to work out what's best for you. And sometimes what's funny with that as a leader is like what people think is best for them actually isn't. Yeah. So you might think you like getting sprayed, to get a fire up, but that actually doesn't work. Whereas you might think you like to be cuddled and that doesn't work either. So it's like, it's, it's playing both things. Like you've got to work out as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People can say this is good for me, but maybe that's what's comfortable. It's not actually what's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I also think that over like, even the time I've been in AFL, like times are changing. Like, what was acceptable maybe 10 years ago or even eight mm. years ago is probably not acceptable now in terms of how you handle players and their mentality. And, you know, I, I actually truly believe that a lot of the younger crop have bigger egos, but that's not going to change. Like that's probably going to still continue and get bigger and bigger as the, um, the next crop come in, but it's how you handle that. So mm. how can you get them to fit into the culture that you're trying to drive and actually try to get them to relish in what they're doing? Because I find a lot of them actually got, you know, they're pretty ballsy and that can be really, really ideal on the field and really handy because they want the ball in their hands. They want to be able to entertain, show what they got because that's what they grew up watching on TV. So um, it's how you can kind of, um, you know, grab that and, and fuel them to make sure they deliver that. Love it. The one other part about leadership that, you know, I would, would, wouldn't have really been in the four walls of, but you see, and it's, it's, it's really crazy when you can sort of put yourself out and look at it is that the leadership group is the, direct communication from coaches to players. So how have you found like being that voice, like talking to the coaches and then talking to the players and sometimes even having to push back towards coaching stuff? Like, does that stuff happen? Cause I remember when I was playing, like the best leaders were the ones that could feel the group when the coaches couldn't. And they'd go back and say, look, the boys don't want this today or you should, we should push them today. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. And I think, um, I think as we've got six people in our leadership group. So over the years we've had like, as big as nine, I reckon, and as small as four. And I think the main thing is what you said. It's about being the voice for the players. So you end up being the direct line from the coaches to the players. So when the, you know, the players feel that, I don't know, there's, there might be something that's really bugging me. It could be like, maybe the way we do selection isn't really like ideal. Like sounds like a small factor, but that's having an impact on quite a few players because, Mm. you know, blokes might be getting in because um, they're having good performances, but then, you got blokes that have put in together maybe like four or five really, really solid weeks. They haven't had that star game, but they'd probably deserve to get in. Um, so we're probably that link in terms of being able to deliver that to then the coaches. And I think what we've got at the club, which is very, very fortunate, is like blokes like Stewie, Stephen King are really, really receptive to what we have to say. So they have a lot of trust, um, oh, and Wayne as well, um, in the leadership group. So what we say, they take on board and they're happy to implement. So there's kind of no divide, which... Um, probably have had in the past, but with the group that we have now, um, there's a lot of trust built between us that if they feel that, so if we come up, come to them with something that we want um, to happen mm. or we feel from the group, they have full trust that that's what needs to get done and they, and they act on it. So, and it's vice versa. They'll give us stuff to then pass on to the group because sometimes it's not very easy for coaches to get to 47 blokes and they need the leadership group to be able to filter to a few different blokes so that they can, um, yeah, they can kind of then spread. So, um, yeah, it kind of goes, it goes both ways, um, but it's really important. Super important. If you could answer this question, pretending no one's even like listening to this and it's hard because it, it could come <laughs> off like it's, it's, it's hard to beat when you're a very modest person, it comes off. Good leading. Yep. Exactly. It comes off, it comes off hard, but I have a feeling that like when you play, when I watch you play, you like talk, you must like talk to yourself and like nearly put on this sort of like, not a character, but like, what are you talking to yourself? What are you saying? Cause I can almost like see it in your eyes that you, you've got something else there. Yeah. Yeah. Is, um, is that, yeah, no, no, you're on the wrong part. Yeah, I think no? so. I, <laughs> okay. I think I know what you're talking about. I'm just I'll trying don't to talk. make out with you through the screen or something. <laughs> I probably don't talk out loud to myself, but yeah. I definitely, um, I definitely playing stuff in my head, um, which I think is probably back to what we were talking about earlier yeah. on in terms of the mental side of the game and what I've learned is how do you stay present in the game regularly? Um, I'm really big on that. You never fizzle out of a game and you always play when there's no finish line. So yeah. I don't care if we're up by 60. I don't care if we're down by a hundred, like I'm playing until the final siren. 
I'll smell the ball when there's a minute left on the clock because that's what that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to play the game to its full potential. And I think for me, um, I'm always trying to come back to my triggers of how I best play. And we talk about as a club playing a trademark game. So that's yep. you at your best footy. Um, and I think when I feel like I go away from that, I try to then bring myself back to that. So my chat in my head is always about, you know, how am I going to make my teammate better in terms of the way I, where I'm standing, how hard am I running, who am I covering for, who am I talking to? Because if you're not talking, you're not helping. Like, um, and then there's that factor of like, you know, they might have put on like three or four goals. How do you then calm the group down to make sure there's no panic? And um, yeah, so I'm, I mean, my brain's probably ticking over all the time, but mm. the main core of it is that how do you stick, stay present with what you're doing, and how can you you know, play that trademark football as best you can for as long as you can? Yeah, and that's what exactly what I was alluding to that didn't probably make sense in the question but <laughs> I, I love what you're saying because what is really hard about that and you articulated it beautifully but when you're running and, and you're at the fourth quarter that shit isn't hard to remember yeah. and I feel like you're always sort of like staying present you're always looking and that's that's what a leader does but it's not as easy as it as you just described it because you've just <laughs> ran probably you know 13 14 kilometers yeah, yeah. as well you got other shit to worry about it was something that I really struggled as a player was like remembering other shit you yeah. know you sort of just go insular and you think about yourself so, and it's so easy. It happens all the time. And it's not to say that that never happens to me. Like that does happen all the time. But I think the difference is, is how quick can you come you out can, of it? Yeah. It's because it's, that's what it's all about. Like, you know, you can have a five minute patch where you pretty much just run around and it's like when you're driving, you know, when you're driving and you forget what the last five minutes of the drive was, like mm. that can happen in a game because you haven't touched a footy. I don't know. You haven't actually laid a tackle or bump. You've barely seen it and you can't, and then you go, shit, like, what have I been doing for five minutes? But then like, if you have those triggers and that, that those things to come back to then you go oh shit like i'm i'm a i'm a really good with my two-way running um like my contested ball winning is and powering out from a stoppage is is really key so that next stoppage that's what i'm thinking is like all right where am i standing how can i then impact this from either winning the ball or can i be in the first second or third layer to to be able to impact that so um yeah i mean it, yeah it, it does happen when people phase but like i said i think it's all about how can you get out of that quickly and become present with the game as quickly as you can. Mm. The derbies, Sydney derbies, WA derbies, everything big. It looks big. We don't, I'm not joking about this, but like the Q clash, there seems like there's some genuine, not hatred because you don't hate people, but like it seems like it is pretty heated games. You can say dislike. There's some dislike. Yeah. <laughs> there's some, dis there's some dislike. genuine dislike yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, there and is. And you've been very... Um, prevalent but you've you've had some big games in there as well and we're alluding to you know, playing with Dane Zorko and these games like the in the theater of footy I know it's good for teams but it is so fucking fun to watch yeah yeah no, that's good that's good to hear I mean I I'll be honest those couple years with um Zorko um were were cool it was hated like I, it was real too like there was probably a, there was a genuine dislike between us and that was okay and at the, the battles were you know pretty ferocious and I loved it. I think that's what now makes me feel like those um, Q clashes have so much more on them. There's so much more merit on them. And don't get me wrong, I feel like the boys feel exactly the same. Like there's only two two teams in Queensland and we want to be the better side. And, you know, when they're touching you up for a couple of years, that hurts. Like it it honestly does. Um, so we're, we're, we're biting our time. We know that we're going to get them um, eventually. It's just, yeah, a bit of a matter of time. But, yeah, those, those early ones, they were – they were fiery. That was really fiery. I loved it. I actually loved it. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. It was so good to watch. Who um who are you most excited about? Who like players coming through at the moment that you look at and you go, this guy's got something. Yeah. Um. Oh man. Probably this goes on for us because we do have quite a lot of mm. really talented players. Um. But I think for me the one that flies under the radar a lot is Noah Anderson. Yeah. Because of Matt Rowell. Um. And don't get me wrong, Matty Rao, like he, he would be very, very special. But Noah is like, he's like one of a kind. He definitely, I think he's at his age to the ability of how he sees the game. Um, he's an unbelievable two-way runner. Like a lot of people um, probably mention the way I two-way run, but he's just as capable. And like the way he reads the game and how he, um, yeah, how he uses the ball. He's like ultra composed, sees both sides of the game. Like, mate. He's just a player that he's like a twenty-six-year-old in like a I think he's twenty-one-year-old's body, which is you know, hard to find. He's so, in the leadership group as well. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. Mate. You don't have to talk to him and and spend a day with him in the football world to understand that like that's why he is in the place that he is. Because yeah, 
Um, very, very special talent. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he'd be leading, he'd be leading our club in, in years to come for sure. Wow, it's exciting. I've had the pleasure of meeting um, Noah and, and Matt. They've just to think that they're like best mates how random and is like it? coming together. It's just like, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. fucking nuts how good they are. It's exciting yeah, yeah. times, very exciting times. Yeah. Hey, um, what's next for you? Like, it's exciting. I know you put out affirmations. You've achieved a lot of things that you want to do already. What's goals both, you know, personally and professionally? Yeah, I mean, um, oh, like I said, probably right at the beginning is I, I really want to make finals. Like, mm. I don't want to have to go under the radar, like to be the first team because I only ever be one you first team. You haven't played finals no, yet, have you? No. no. So we'll be the first team ever to have, to have played finals. And then I want to be the first team to um, win a grand final and then win multiple. So there's only one team that will ever get to do that. And I want to be a part of that. So um, those are definitely high, high on the list. Um, and I mean, individually, like, to be honest with you, I felt like last year I was just scraping the barrel of what I thought I could do and mm. opening that, probably unlocking that door of belief and what I was capable of um, feels like now. Um, I'm only hitting my straps um, it, this year. I feel like I've, I've had a really strong year, but in saying that, I feel like there's just still so much more growth to go. And I think as we get better as a club, um, that's only going to excel as well. So, I mean, like, I don't know if people say it, like sky's the limit, but it really is. And I think there's going to be a lot of boys that will come with, and we're going to have a lot of players that play some serious football in the next few years, um, which is which is really, really exciting. So, um, and I guess for, for post footy, I mean, I want to play footy until my legs don't work anymore. So <laughs> I haven't really, I haven't thought that far, but I do know being in the footy world, you know, as well that you start to get a lot of connections and you start to network. And I think the opportunities start to come from that. And I feel very comfortable with, um, the people that I've talked to in my journey so far that I will have an opportunity to, um, you know, when footy does finally finish to be able to explore other avenues and kind of find what I like. Um, but yeah, for now I'm, I'm all guns blazing for the Gold Coast at the moment. Love that, man. You got to put like, yeah, I'm a, I think I preached way too early about like having balance, but sometimes if you want to be the best at something, you have to actually go and listen into it. Yeah. yeah um, no, and if 100%. you have balance, it actually doesn't work. It's <laughs> crazy. Just on that though, like you said, um, about you want to, what you want to do, the sky's the limit. Have you got any plans for like obviously the seasons um, finishing up for you guys? But have you got any plans for the off season? What you're going to do? How you're going to do it? Like, are you, have you thought about what sort of thing you're going to do to get ready for next year? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, this year is probably a little bit more on, on the uh, on the downside in terms. I'm going to I'm going to the states with my fiance for five weeks, so yep. it's not all all about the training side of it. It's actually um, I guess because of COVID, there hasn't been that opportunity to travel and. Um, we've just been wanting to get overseas and, and travel a bit. So we're, we're going to spend about a bit over a month in the States awesome. and, um, Where are you going? uh, we're doing LA, Texas, New Orleans, Florida, and New York for 10 days. It's going to be epic, man. I can't wait. It's just like, I love my American sport as well. So like NFL, um, the basketball, um, baseball, anything at the ho ice hockey, I've never watched that. So, um, it's going to be a pretty cool experience, uh, I think for the both of us. So we really Really excited for that. Um, I guess on a training front, I'm going to go back to the surface paradise. Um, going back? I'm going oh, back, no. bro. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying. I'm trying the surf ski, 100. percent um, And then, I think for me, uh, I've talked to Riggers already um, around what my off season looks like, and um, he's kind of big on the more years you come, the longer you're in the game, the um, the more unfit you come back in. It sounds really bad over the mic how I say it, but I think he. We've always had a view that you want to be peaking in this time of year. You don't want to be yeah. peaking at the beginning. So our mindset has always been around how can you best prepare your body so that you're not running like sub six minute um, 2Ks at the start of Christmas, but you're doing it. Yeah, December when, hero. Yeah, well, like when when um, when finals time comes around, you're absolutely flying, which is the most important thing. So putting things in place so that works is um, more our goals for going into How season. hard is that though? Because you always say that in your head yeah. and then you get into day one and you want to keep going. But I actually, I totally agree. The best thing that has really ever happened and, and not that you want to wish this upon anyone, but sometimes even having like a little setback in early in the year, yeah, yeah. you see these guys come, everyone's fucking cooked halfway through the year. Yeah, yeah. And it's like coming through. <laughs> it's so not true. so much the pre-season, but you want to get your whole pre-season in. But yeah. you know, that first December to January period, even with the new, the new um, rules around coming back to training, it yeah. is shortened now. Yeah. The pre-season was too long. It was massive, man. I, I'm, I was a big believer that it was, I remember I had, you would have had the same, but I yeah. came back did like eight to nine weeks before Christmas. And I was like, I was- You're already humming. fucked. Yeah, you're ready for a grand final <laughs> yeah, in like yeah, December. Like you could hit the field and you'd be absolutely flying. You're and I, a horse. Yeah, I just think yeah. that what I, we've learned over the years now is that um, 
and it's, there's also everyone's a different case. So like, um, you know, if you're a lot younger and you probably haven't had that big of a season, mm. the opportunity for you to be at your fittest before Christmas probably is your benefit. And then yep. you might burn out towards the end of the year. That's okay. But I think for some others, it can be like the tactic that we're going with in terms of you want to be just rising so that by the time you hit September, you're really playing your, your best footy and there, there is kind of no finish line in terms of how you feel, um, which I think is really important. But like you said as well, <laughs> I, I start training sometimes and there's no way I'm taking a backward step. Like you just like, you just go bullet a gate and you're like, ah, I just got to do this. Like I got to go hard. Like there's no way I'm just doing like a couple cruisy laps. Like, um, I find that very difficult to do sometimes. So, um, but yeah, that's like kind of what I've been learning over the years. Love it, man. Well, look, I hope you have a great off season. I know the next few weeks is going to be tough to, I know there's going to be burning in you, in you to, to really get there. And, um, I hope, I hope the boys can do it next year. It seems like a massive upside. It's a pleasure to, to get you in today, man. I love picking your brain. I'm super excited for, for what's to come for you, man. Cause I totally believe in, in everything you're saying. I think you can be an absolute star. Not that you already are, but I think you can go even more. So, um, yeah, it's been an honor, bro. I really appreciate your time. I can't wait. And we'll, we'll definitely check back in next year and see where things are at. I love it, bro. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Love it. Hey, Darcy, it's a dual brief. The debrief. <laughs> Sorry. So you're drinking some hydration. Water is always allowed to be drunk here. Yeah, I love that. We love I love water, hydrating. Me too. I love drinking water. It's God's gift. I know, because you say it on the podcast every mm. week. Mm. <clears throat> and how are you? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm what do you think of the app? I loved it. Yeah, what, me a, too. what a man. Took. Yeah, took. Took? Took. Took. No, yeah. definitely took. I love that he pulled that up at the start as well because it's important. Um, I liked how he said he he sort of let it go for far too long. Yeah, before, I know. I know. Um, pulling people up on it. It's such a funny one, isn't it? Like I um, made the worst gag the other day. I do this show on – this has nothing to do with anything, but I do this show on AFL. It's called Friday Knockoffs and basically talk to like anyone through the AFL um, – it's done. It's like 20 minutes, very easy chit-chat. And this week we had on Gillen McLaughlin. And at the start I was like, oh, he's going to love this. It'll be funny as. Oh, and no. I was like, this is, yeah, you know where this is going. And at the start I was like, oh, do you reckon, um, you know, just before we get into it, do you reckon maybe like your name was meant to be Dylan and they just stuff it up and you've run with it for like ever since? And how did that go down? And he just said, no. Oh. And I was like, okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, how you been, man? How's it? What's it like being a CEO? No, it was um it was weird. Yeah, it was definitely weird, but he um Yeah. Hey, we're not here to talk no, about that. No, we're not here to talk here about, about Took. What'd you like about the show? Well, what do you like about the show? Oh, I loved it. Um as I said, I this was one of those ones where really just love watching him play, love what he's about. I think when you watch him play, you just know he's just giving everything, mm. like absolutely everything. I love his leadership. I'd heard so much about him, never met him in person. Um, but we're so keen to just pick his brain. So, yeah, it was cool. I just love how he, like, he got taken to the Gold Coast and he just loves it there and he's so proud to be a Gold Coast player mm. and that's what that culture I think is starting to change. I know that, you know, the recent news of Rankine wanting to go to Adelaide now, but I think it's really cool that he was so proud to be a Gold Coast guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's had a hell of a year too. Just took out the AFL... Coaches Association. Yes. He took out that award that's what that's with, called. Um, with Clayton Oliver. Yes. Which was really cool. Um, but yeah, just a, a really, really sound player. I love the fact that he has personal goals as well. Mm. Um, you know, he was speaking about what he wants to achieve and how he thinks he can take his game to the next level, which is really cool. The other one with it though, like if he's winning that award, he's, he's got to be a chance for a Brownlow this year. Well, he's 26. Yeah. Yeah. So if not this year, he's he's in his um, prime, isn't he? Mm, he is. He is getting on a little bit. What about when he was playing golf? He went. This gives me hope to stay, stay with it. He was at twenty seven handicap. He's gone down to seven. Wow. And what are you at at the moment? I'm off twenty two. Oh, you got you got time. Mm. He's he's been playing for a I few. Feel years. like he's a little bit better at things than me, but still, um, it's nice. Don't give up. No, I won't. I won't. Cooking as well. He's sourdough. He's smoker. How good was that? Oh, the the bread discussion really amaze me like I've I love bread and I'm a big connoisseur of like going to really good bakeries but I could never imagine cooking it myself what's your favorite bakery Dench Dench and there's this one in North Fitzroy um called Loafer so Loafer Bread it's called oh, Loafer funny L-O-A-F-E-R Loafer yep. just across the road from the post office near Peter Monty's on the corner of Scotch Marin's St George's Road if I'm being really specific but I go there They've got the best bread and also on the weekends or any day, but on the weekends mainly I go there, they do these salad sandwiches, oh, which are the good. most fucking unbelievable salad how sandwiches I've that? ever had. But the bread 
is so gooey on the inside, but then the outside is f- like a crust, like, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I was actually, I loved listening to him talk about bread, yeah, which is too. weird. Last week it was bread pot. Nick Rewalt talking about cake. This yeah. week we got Took talking about bread. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. And just on the affirmations he was saying, like he was like, he has all these awards he wants to tick off. Obviously that was recorded prior to the All-Australian being released, but mm. he's an All-Australian now and a Coaches Association winner, which is just fantastic Flying. going in himself. I loved hearing him talk about his mum. I love yes. that part. I love it when we need to norm, we need to promote better mum son loves. It's not a competition. It is. No, it's not. We were in Adelaide <laughs> and we almost got into an argument about who had the better mum. <laughs> my mum is the best mum in the world. No, she's not though. Mate, she I'm is. sure she's lovely and I'd love to meet no, her, but no, my no. mum is I'm all for arguments about that. I'm I'm sorry and I do love your mum. I've spoke to her before. But for me personally, my mum is the best. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. But okay. I loved hearing him talk about um, how he values people's time and how important it is, even if you're in like a shit mood. Yeah. He said, when he said, you know, you rock up to the local butcher and yeah. if he wants to talk footy, like even if you're having a shit day, that could make his day and how important it is to value people's time. I like that too. That, that was that. really good. Is that a message to me maybe that to value People's yeah, it's a little subtle. <laughs> no, I'm a big. I, I, you, we know this. At the end of shows, I pretty much push people out the door because I'm you scared do. that they're. Um, I'm scared to waste people's time. But no, you're right. Um, it goes back to the discussion even we had. That's coming in a, a couple of weeks around with Vin and Ali, the podcast that we did. Yes, and we spoke about when you're networking or asking someone for advice or you want to connect with someone. Don't think what they can do for you, think of what you can do for them first to then get their time. Yeah. Because I've been really guilty of that as well, is like asking for people's help on things, which is fine because a lot of people are giving and when you get to that state, like that level of knowledge, you love giving and that's great. A lot of people love giving, but how you can always go that extra mile in giving first, then uh, then asking in return, if that makes sense. Especially when you're starting off somewhere. Yeah. Yep. It's yep. important to provide value. Example of this, and I think I'm, we'll be talking about this in the last in the next couple of weeks in this episode. But we had a guy reach out recently, um, and sort of just emailed me and he said, "Hey mate, um, hope you don't mind me reaching out by email, but here's six things I think you can improve on your website. Um, also, you know, if you need any help with it, let me know. Bang! And there was like six lists of things that I was like, "Oh my god, this this guy's gone out of his time." for free and just for general like love gone out and just gone here's how you can support for not nothing in return mm. and just send that email and i like bang straight away i want to do love that it. it's pretty cool more of that more of that um no i'm not saying you have to do that but in general it's great no, anyway, everyone flood no does it. <laughs> no that was didn't mean it like that but yeah hey like thanks so much for all the feedback on these debriefs we really do appreciate it we're going to keep doing it um also you know if you haven't checked out the minis yet make sure you check them out I've uh, got a really cool one coming up next week, which will be exciting. And um, yeah, we'll go from there. Chat to you later. See ya. Sounds good. Gilly, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at Producey.com. Thanks for tuning in. Illy XX.